You made the decision to look at your life from a different perspective and realize that the destructive behavior of addiction does not serve you anymore. This podcast was created to remind you that ups and downs are normal in every person's life and to provide you with professional and peer-related insights and supports in your recovery from illness to wellness. My name is Kinga Burjan, and I'm a registered psychotherapist in Ontario, Canada. Thank you for joining me today. And we have our special guest, Leslie Salisbury. Thank you for joining me, who's also a registered psychotherapist and one of my wonderful colleagues and friends. (laughs) And today, Leslie is joining us um, so that we can talk about the flow state. Yes. Thank you, Kinga. I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Thank you. So what is the flow state? So flow is actually a very simple concept and something that people immerse themselves in without even knowing it. Basically, it is when one is completely immersed in any activity to the exclusion of all the distractions around us. So a simple example would be to imagine a young child playing on the floor with their toys. Generally, they're so immersed in the in the play that everything else is not in their mind at the present time. So time goes by, um, personal needs such as hunger or thirst is not thought of, and the tasks are all surrounding whatever the activity is that the person is engaged in. That's so interesting. As you're sharing that, I actually had come to mind if I'm like in the middle of a big project, yes, that it's like, oh, wow, I need to eat or drink something. Yes, exactly. Or you look up and you're like, oh my gosh, it's dark outside. When did that happen? So that's a really simple example of flow. But flow is not just um, about a play activity. We can engage in flow in many different ways. Um, Think about an athlete playing a sport. They're so focused on what's going on in the rink or on the field that They're not thinking about anything else. We can use our body to get into flow. So if you imagine someone doing yoga or dancing, uh, we can get into a flow state doing mindfulness activities like meditation. We can also engage in flow doing our hobbies. So crafting or painting, writing music, playing an instrument. So really the opportunity to engage in flow is very, very widespread. And it's also a very, very simple process. Very few things need to line up uh, in order for us to get into a flow state. So there's really sort of 10 characteristics that have to be checked off in order to get into flow. Yeah, I was wondering, how do you know? Because I think if if I'm learning about this for the first time, I'm like, if I'm trying to do it, maybe me trying might even block the flow state. So I'm really curious to hear about these 10. You're actually, that's such a good point that you hit on because that's absolutely true. Um, We find that people who can't, if you will, get out of their own head, have a really hard time engaging in flow. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, there is a part of it that is, is about sort of that effortless ability to pay attention to what you're doing rather to pay attention to yourself doing it, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So um, I should say that the idea of flow is a concept from positive psychology and it was created um, by a Hungarian psychologist. I'm going to, I'm terrible at his name. I think the closest pronunciation I can get is Mihail Csikmahaili, but I'm sure that I butchered that. <laughs> but anyways, that's um, that's as close as I can get. It's hard to pronounce. But what he did is created the 10 factors that accompany a flow experience. So not all 
have to be present at the same time, but most are likely to occur at some point or other during flow. So the first thing is that the activity is intrinsically rewarding. In other words, it it captures our interests. So it's something that we're interested in doing. And so therefore, you know, it's going to pique our curiosity. The second thing is that the goals are challenging, but not too challenging. They're attainable. So if you think of a child playing, or let's say a child playing a board game, it's challenging enough, but it's not so frustrating that they're going to give up on the project. Um, There's a complete focus on the activity itself. So that's where you and I were talking about just being completely engrossed in in the task. Um, There is an experience of control over the situation and the outcome. This is really important because sometimes people confuse this with ability. Ability really doesn't come into it. So let's say I'm going to sit and paint. Whether or not I'm a good painter doesn't matter at all. It's whether I have the ability to control the brush and the paint on the page. The outcome isn't really what it's about. Um, The fifth one is, I think, the, the most wonderful part of flow, which is that people in the sense of flow have a lovely feeling of serenity. You're just engrossed in the task. You're taking it as it comes. It's a very relaxed state um, and usually, I'd say, brings about um, a very um, like depressed mental state in, in terms of just really relaxed Mm -hmm. Um, there's immediate feedback. So again, if you're reading a book, you get to the end of the chapter. If you're painting a picture, you finish the painting. If you're playing a game, you come to the end of the game. So there is a a definite start and end. Um, it is usually also, um, combined with a lack of awareness to physical needs. So that's when Mm -hmm. we were talking about I'm not thirsty. I'm not hungry. I'm not thinking about time passing. I'm just really focused on what I'm doing. And then the last thing is that there can be a sense of timelessness. So that distorted sense of time where, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, it's dinner time already. I I thought I'd only been doing this for 20 minutes type of thing. So that's sort of what some of the parameters that we look for around a flow state are. But the important part of flow is the neuroscience behind it. So why it's important is because our brain changes during flow states. Hmm. So there's an increase in dopamine, so a pleasurable chemical, and also a change in the synapses that occur during brain activity. So we start to see, um, you know, more regular patterns. We start to see sort of less, you know, sort of uh, chaotic uh, impulses. It's it's a very relaxing, very... Um, trying to think of the right word. Um, I guess like almost like a meditative state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah. I was also thinking the same thing, like the way you were describing it, especially with my history and training in terms of yoga and meditation, Mm -hmm. that just being focused on that one thing. So for meditation, you're being focused on your breathing. Yes. Right. Or even when you're doing yoga, just focusing on your breathing can be like an anchor to stay in that flow state and to just exactly. keep bringing it back. Exactly. So I'm curious too, because um, these 10 factors to mm-hmm. me make so much sense. Um, but what happens? Are, are there any factors that get in the way? Like we talked about your mental state. So I know, especially in recovery, a lot of people, um, you know, some of their challenges 
anxiety, rumination. Yes. So how, um, in your knowledge of the flow state and experience working with clients in recovery, what's, what could be helpful for them to overcome some of those obstacles to help them get in the flow state? That's such a good question. And I think there's definitely things that people can do. The first thing that I would suggest is creating a ritual around the activity. So for instance, if I'm going to do yoga, I want to probably set up the space. I might want to do some positive affirmations prior to starting. Maybe I want to light a candle or do some aromatherapy. So really sort of setting the stage for that sense of relaxation and mindfulness, even before you start the activity. Um, And then the other one that I would suggest is very simple, is just keeping the activity that you choose really within, um, within that window of accomplishment. So, you know, painting the Sistine Chapel probably wouldn't be a great flow experience. Whereas, you know, maybe having a cup of tea and reading a chapter of a book, that's a perfect thing. So you want to have that that ease of completion and that ease of feeling successful. Again, success does not equate to, um, you know, a sense of if you're good at it or not, it's just um, success is, is just completion. So really with flow, it's not about the, the outcome or the end product or who wins the game, or if your, if your art or craft is beautiful, it's about the state that you reach internally as you're doing the task. Mm. So it's really about living in the moment. And I, Something that comes up for me too when you share that is uh, kind of being along for the journey. Because although it's not about the outcome, there is still, like you said, a start and an ending. Yes. Right. So, yes. I, if anything, I think this giving yourself that opportunity or practice to have flow time. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe rather than me time, we can call it flow time. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think that's such a good point because really people don't often take the time that we really need to engage in flow because we do look at it as sort of a luxury time, right? Oh, I get to sit and, you know, do a craft or read a book or, you know, take downtime. And we're really um, sort of, I guess, hardwired in some instances to feel a little bit guilty about taking that downtime. That's why I think exercise is a really interesting one because a lot of people immediately assume exercise is flow, but not necessarily because um, flow has to be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So there really does have to be that enjoyment component. So if you're exercising and you know you're really struggling through every minute thinking when is this over? When is this over? That's probably not the most optimal way to achieve flow. You probably want to choose uh an activity or or some time to spend um you spend a little time indulging that enjoyable experience. I really like that you brought uh that forward that term enjoyable because there are so many, there are different ways and different techniques to reach different states. So for example, I'll just go back to the mindfulness and the yoga, for example, it's not for everyone. It's not everyone's cup of tea. It's not enjoyable for everyone. Yes. Right. So if I I know there are lots of benefits to meditation, but to me, this is like an enjoyable meditation where you're, when you're doing something, you're meditating, you're being present in the moment and what you're doing. Exactly. And that's why I love to use that first example I gave you. Imagine a small child playing. 
right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the mindset that you can imagine that's perfect for flow. Just being so self-satisfied in the moment, just engaged, enjoying what you're doing, happy, relaxed. So to me, when we think of flow, I always love that analogy because you can just imagine, um, you know, like a child just gives up all worries and all concerns when they're focused on what's at hand. And that's sort of where we want to remind ourselves that we can get to as well as adults that we sometimes get, you know, forgetful of. I think that's such a beautiful reminder, really, Uh, especially in, you know, there's so much talk about self-care, you know, taking care of your mental state, your emotional state, your physical state. But like you're saying, it it actually changes how your brain communicates Yes, and kind of calms your brain down and that affects every layer of you. Exactly. And I think along with that, you've just raised a great point when you say it changes your mental state because we really do live more and more in a world where we learn to seek pleasure and satisfaction in a sense of purpose through external things, right? Mm-hmm. So it can be things that we acquire or things we work towards or even entertainment, right? Um, oh, I'm bored. So I need something external to engage me. So the really amazing thing to me about flow is we start to internalize our own empowerment. So by setting time to engage in a flow activity, you are really working very hard towards increasing internal joy and what, um, you know, what's called optimal experience. Mm. So we learn then we can do that within ourselves and it doesn't take all kinds of external entertainment or distraction or, um, you know, seeming successes for us to feel really good and really stable and really empowered and regulated. It's something that we haven't intrinsically internally. And I think we've lost sight of that mm-hmm. a lot. You know, anthropologists have studied for, you know, decades, if not centuries, um, different, different cultures where, you know, we can look at some cultures and, sort of from Western society standpoint, we can look at different cultures and say, wow, like it seems like there's a a group of people who are just happy and there's not Mm -hmm. the seeming reason. And then we can look at other people, other cultures where it's like, oh my gosh, but they have all of, all of these things and they're still not happy. And Mm -hmm. part of that, I, I think personally is flow. When people learn that they can experience their own internal joy, um, it gives us a natural resilience and optimism that I think is, is very healthy for our mental state. Yeah. And very, uh, appropriate and fitting for recovery. Exactly. Cause exactly with addiction, it very much is about external, right? Mm-hmm. We cope through numbing externally. We cope through distraction. We cope through, you know, reduction of anxiety, usually through external factors, right? Whatever our behavior of choice or a drug of choice is. And so we learn that we need it, if you will, um, in order to be able to emotionally regulate or, or have distress tolerance. So when we can find that within ourselves, it's such a pillar of strength for an individual to be able to say, I, I've got it right here already inside myself. I just have That's to find so out. Beautiful. Yeah, right. Just the adaptive way to use it. So. so I guess the more someone practices it, the easier it will, like with anything, yeah. right? Just like lifting weights at the gym. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but the easier it will be for them to regulate their mental and emotional and physical state. That's exactly so right. when they are feeling dysregulated and they're used to having flow time, 
then that's um, it's, it's like a retraining their brain basically and their their body and their emotional state to okay it's it's time to do this we can kind of put those things aside yes <laughs> deal with them later if we have to yes and because there are so many opportunities within which to engage in flow, you change it up, right? So sometimes I might be, you know, I might have a frenetic energy where sitting down and reading a chapter of a book is really not going to benefit me, but right. maybe going for a run will. So, you know, it doesn't have to be the same flow activity every time. It just has to meet, um, you know, hopefully the majority of those, those 10 characteristics that we reviewed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The 10 factors are really, a really good framing point. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I was talking to my father who is elderly and as you know, uh, suffers from a type of dementia and I was able to witness flow firsthand in watching him talk about the good old days and the whole, everything that we were talking about disappeared right in front of his eyes. He was literally immersed back in time, sharing memories and telling stories. And uh, so it it also occurred to me that flow is a wonderful way that we can also, um, you know, acknowledge other people and, and show vulnerability and foster connection. So it's Mm -hmm. not a, it's not something we have to do, you know, in isolation of others. It's also something that we can absolutely engage in through sharing. I'm really glad you brought up that point because having that connection and social support is uh, an important piece of the pie yes, (laughs) piece of the puzzle in recovery and also in depression, like uh, people recovering from depression as well. Yes. That social piece. Exactly. That, that whole acceptance of just being acknowledged and validated where we're all at. So it's a, a, a lovely vehicle where people can come together and have that shared experience and feel that sense of, of connection and acceptance. And the other point you brought up regarding optimism, how flow state can generate that within, I yes. think, I think that's really important and not to, um, you know, talk, I'm not talking about positive toxicity or, or, or the term there, right? but it is important to be able to generate that optimism within rather than like you're saying, depending on external sources. Yes. Yes. Because the, the problem is, as you know, we can't control external sources, even when we think we can. Mm-hmm. So, you know, looking at the nature of addiction, for instance, um, even addiction in itself inherently changes, right? We, mm-hmm. we hit, you know, different points of, um, I'm, I'm losing my words now, but um, stages of change. Exactly, exactly. So you know we're at we're at different points. So we can't always handle everything. Tolerance changes, right? So even when we think we know something external and we can control it, we can't always. So there is this sense of sort of helplessness, if you will, that can come from that, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we feel that we are resourceful and resilient, it gives us a sense of security in our in our with our in ourselves and also within our environments. Yeah, that resiliency piece is really important as well. In so important. Oh, who I actually didn't know so much about the flow state and how helpful it can be. I really appreciate you bringing those facts forward and sharing it. Really, you're, it's- you're so welcome. <laughs> and it's it's a wonderful thing because it really is very very simple. So I like positive psychology because it, for me, um, it's about 
about empowering oneself to make positive change. It's about doing and it's about getting good results. And so to me, flow is a great example of, you know, how we can teach ourselves that we are in control of our, our own environments and, you know, to some extent to our own destiny. So I think flow I is a really optimistic concept. I love that. And it's okay. As you know, at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned everyone has ups and downs, but the more tools we have, the more practices we have to build that resiliency connection, internal and external. And that optimism really helps with moving forward. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you wanted to add? No, thank you so much. I, as always, I love talking to you. So it's so fun to share ideas. <laughs> it is. I really appreciate this so much. And I, I'm going to start practicing some flow in my life. I thought I was doing it, but now knowing these 10 specific factors, I think I have to kind of adjust what I thought was flow. Yes. And really I go with the flow. <laughs> exactly. Really go with the flow. I agree with you. <laughs> thank you so much, Kinga. Thanks, Leslie. Have a beautiful day. You too.